You know, society has this problem for a long time. Women's suppression is not a women's issue, it's a societal issue. And it has been with us since the dawn of civilization. And I said, since the day of Adam and Eve. <laughs> I'm going to read you a verse from a social reformer who was born in 1469, where I come from. And just listen to this verse. It was actually translated from Gurmukhi into English by me. So please pardon my poor English if you don't like it. <laughs> from women, men are born. Within a woman, a man is conceived. To a woman, he is engaged and married. Women become his friend. Through women, the future generations come. When his, when his woman dies, he seeks another woman. To women, he is bound. So why shall we call her with the derogatory names? From her, kings are born. From woman, woman is born. Without woman, there would be no one at all. 1469, he was born, and this was written in 1490. So this issue is, you know, as I said, it's a societal issue. But why I'm asking, what I'm going to ask you is, that once a year is not going to do it. We need some big billboards on the highways. <laughs> Stop the suppression of women. Women do heavy lifting in our society. Society has failed the women. Thank you very much. Val, did you have a question? Or I think the question was, what do we do more, more than one day? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, thank you for sharing uh, the quote there. And I, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's, um, I know that every day I try to try to push forward. Some days I feel really discouraged. Um, one thing that I've found really, I, I think is related to what you were talking about, uh, a recent development is um, you see a lot of posters on campuses saying um, sexual assault, it's not, it's not your fault. And they have a, a picture of a girl, someone who's obviously feeling pretty rough. And just in the last six months or so, we've started seeing some posters that say that has a picture of a guy and uh, maybe a, a girl who's drunk or who's unable to run for whatever reason, something like that. And the poster says, don't be that guy. And I think that's a, a shift that needs to be made and uh, societal instead of just women. So absolutely, yeah. Um, and uh, I know I try to do stuff every day. It's obviously my passion. And welcome everybody else to the club. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, I'm Monica Leong. Um, and I wanted to ask you about the high school that you were um, doing your work at. I know you're not allowed to you know, name it, but I'm wondering if you can tell us a, a little bit more about it. Is it a publicly funded? Is it a sort of regular kind of high school, and are there any programs like that that are developing in other places as well, or is that just a pilot project, or what? Uh, that high school is in a small town, which is why the, the name of the city can't be released, because um, if it was in Calgary, then a school in Calgary can't really be, you know, tracked down. But this town is very small, so it's a small town high school, and it is a public high school. Um, as far as other programs goes, um, 
there are five high schools in Western Canada that offer women's studies. So of over 1,300 high schools, five of them offer women's studies. Uh, most of them are in BC, and then there's the one in Alberta. In Ontario, though, uh, the Miss G project, it's like Miss G blank, um, and it's named after a woman who died unexpectedly in university, and uh, her doctor diagnosed her death as being because she was working her brain too hard because women can't go to school. Um, so <laughs> this was in, uh, I think, 1867 or something like that. Um, anyway, the Miss G Project for several years has been fighting to have uh, women's studies or women and gender studies uh, entered into the Ontario uh, curriculum, secondary curriculum. And they've had some successes, and it's the course has actually been created and at this point, it's being stalled in the approval process. Um, but through their efforts, even though there is no uh, provincial offering yet, it's sort of in the works or supposedly in the works, um, even though that hasn't come to fruition, their efforts have, have really brought about some uh, informal or one-off courses in Ontario. So there are a lot more women's studies classes in Ontario high schools. Hi, I'm Carly Adams. Um, Auburn, this is a very important conversation. Um, and my understanding is that on March 23rd, you're part of a, a group who's organizing a multi-generational discussion about feminism in women and girls' lives and women's studies more importantly. So take a moment to plug that event. Um, <laughs> but also I'm wondering, there's been a backlash against women's studies programs in our country recently. And I'm wondering if you can comment on how that's affecting the future of this type, these conversations that we're having here today and women's studies at the university level but also at the high school level as well. Um, the event is actually on the 16th, uh, next Friday. That's fine. Wrong date. <laughs> um, and it's a roundtable. Um, it's open to the public, and we're really hoping to have young girls, like teenage girls, come. It's hard kind of to bridge the gap between the university and the high schools, but we're working at it. And it's, uh, it's a multi-generational roundtable where we're just going to talk about why, why women and gender studies. And um, my view is kind of why, well, because of what the, the young women in my research told me, that's why. Um, but hopefully um, bringing about some really engaging conversations between and across the generations. Um, as far as the, the backlash against women's studies, it, it is a very real problem. Um, one of the, the excuses institutions have been using is that it costs too much to have this program. It's not important enough. And it's such a, a ridiculous reason because the program is, is typically one of the least expensive for a university to run. Um, they tend to be small and... They don't have big expenses like a physics lab might. So that is really frustrating. <laughs> um, as far as for this conversation, um, on the one hand, it's obviously negative because taking away those things is, is just going in the wrong direction. But on the other hand, it gets people upset, which gets people talking. And so in some ways, it may bring about a bit of the publicity we need. I was actually asked just after I did my talk by a Lethbridge Herald reporter, um, 
why is it important for people to know? And, well, I think people are generally surprised when I say there's only one high school in Alberta that offers this program. And the more people who know that, the more people who might think, hey, maybe I should talk to the principal of my daughter's school about that. And uh, the more buzz we get, the more pressure we get, the better. Um, and that's, that's my goal. <laughs> I just had a request that you give specific details about the event on March sixteenth. Uh, what time and where? Okay, it's in the student union ballroom A at the University of Victoria. University of Lethbridge. Uh, <laughs> I haven't done that in a long. I did my undergrad at Victoria. Sometimes it just comes out automatically because I spent more years there. Um, yes, the University of Lethbridge, of course. Um, it's from two o'clock to six o'clock. There will be six speakers. Um, one of them is Jillian Ayers, who's sitting right here, and one of them is Carly Adams, who is just at the microphone. So, <laughs> or Carly is actually facilitating a piece of the event. Um, so there's going to be the speakers, but our real focus is with the speakers to engage a dialogue and have. We're going to have lots of mingling breaks and opportunities for people to just talk. We're going to have a network board where you know you can put your put your business cards up so people can grab one in case, you know, they you bumped into each other and there was something important shared. Um, uh, it's We're hoping to actually have it only be from, because two to six is kind of a long period of time, so it's more from two to five, and then the last hour is for that, getting to know each other, eating some of the free food. There will be free food, um, which maybe doesn't matter as much to this crowd, but students really value that free food. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's just it's going to be really exciting and really engaging um, hoping to get people involved on a variety of levels at the high school level the academic level and recognizing the value of young women's voices and also encouraging the young women to recognize the value of old women's voices because sometimes and when I say old I mean it extremely respectfully <laughs> um, but, and, and even by old, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, we need to value that history of, of the women who are no longer with us and what they've done. Um, so just bridging those gaps and bringing people together, hopefully in a, in a really energetic way and uh, bringing out some good things. Thank you. My name is Mary Shillington, and as a feminist, I really appreciate your presentation today and uh, getting us thinking, because uh, this is a topic very dear to my heart. Um, I'm also a grandmother of uh, four teenagers, one of them male and the other, uh, two males and, uh, and, and two, two granddaughters. And so uh, I have concerns about the internet, like you do, uh, and what's available and, and what the whole Facebook thing and so on. And, and I hear your concern, and I'm wondering if you... Uh, have some suggestions for how it could imp be improved, what we need to be doing, what we need to be alert to, and that kind of thing. That is a really good question. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I don't know if I really do. It's such a big, big problem, and a, the Internet is so vast, and I'm not particularly uh, well-versed in computers myself. Um, I don't know if we can change the Internet, but I think... I guess my um, my best shot would be going back to education and um, you know educating kids about the dangers of the internet and I think it's happening to some extent but um, 
maybe that would make more of a difference. But really, really excellent question that I'm sorry to say I wish I knew the answer to. I don't. Hi, my name is Knut Peterson. Thanks very much for bringing this important issue to SACBAR. Uh, I also like to salute Jan, who uh, recently took a petition and a resolution to the city council chambers to have uh, councillors be called councillors. And I have to say, it, it went over unanimously, despite some uh, people that didn't believe in it. <laughs> Thank you. It was a group effort. Thank you. It was a group effort. I do want to acknowledge there was many, many partners involved in that in that process, especially to specific counselors who I do want to thank. And I, I know we're breaking all sorts of SACPO rules right now, so I'm I'm well aware of that. Uh, but but uh, Jeff Kaufman and Bridget Mearns worked incredibly hard on council for that to pass, and I think we should give them the due credit because without their support and without their work. They wouldn't have done it. I'm not endorsing any political candidates or any future political candidates, but those two counselors deserve a huge amount of credit. So if you see them in the streets, thank them. Sorry I, again. I can tell you that uh, I'm a little bit hard of hearing, and uh, I missed the point that the mayor made about uh, he, he preferred no applause. So after it was done, I stood up and applauded. And I looked, looked a little bit like a stick in the mud, but uh, <laughs> even if I hadn't heard it, if I, even if I had heard it, I think I would have still stood up and applauded. Can you do have a question for our presenter? Yeah, I do have okay. a question. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Auburn, uh, sometimes uh, women are put in a situation they probably shouldn't be in just because they're women. And if they fail... They failed because they were a woman. Uh, if men fails, it was because they didn't have the skills. Can you comment on that uh, kind of situation? <laughs> I I think that definitely is an issue. Sometimes um, you hear the word bitch and aggressive, and a man is aggressive and he did well. A woman's bitch. Um, so, and I think this kind of uh, discourse or that this way of talking is is very common um, so I I wish it wasn't and the only comment I, I really can can make to that is maybe next time you hear someone using that sort of language call them out on it because often people don't even realize they're doing it and the more of us who speak up maybe the less it'll happen thank you very much for your talk I'm Bev Mental Atherstone and um, I want to shed a little different perspective on it. First, I want to say that the NDP um, is trying to have gender parity in their political candidates, and we are the first candidate. We are the first party in Alberta to have all of our candidates nominated, 87, and 45% of them are women. So we're getting there. Um, but I, I think I have to disagree with Bao. Um, his comments that it's always like this and it's always always will be. And, well, you know, it, it kind of depends on the culture and it depends on the time. And that's going to ultimately be my question. But um, we lived in Pakistan in, in, from 89 to 91, and at that time there were 12 seats in parliament. 
that were given to women. They were specifically for women. Maybe it was more. Um, but Benazir Bhutto had to coalesce her her strength and gave away those seats. So those seats were had been there, and they were designated for women. In Afghanistan, um, in the 80s, Afghanistan was sort of the, the Paris of... of uh, of that part of the world. It was beautiful. Women women were very well dressed in Western dress, um, uh, very well educated. And, you know, you can't, can't even imagine that it's like it is now. They, they were just so educated and so powerful in society. And and I think of my own mom, who, who was a real feminist, and the women who, who changed the vote, and the women who were suffragettes. So... I, I think we we have to see this as um, a sort of a undulating undulating wave in culture, and particularly in cultures that are based in the British tradition, where women were disenfranchised as soon as they got married. Their husband had had all their rights and all their money. So I think it's very 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 easy to say, oh. Or to look at things and think of it linear, linearly, that we're getting better and better. But we're not. There have been better times, there have been worse times, and we're sort of on that up and down wave. And so I, I feel that. Um, yes, we, sorry, I don't yeah, mean to interrupt you. So my question is um, how, how do we make sure we haven't lost? How do, how do we make sure we haven't lost what was gained in the past? and lost in maybe our particular culture in terms of motivation and moving moving towards more equity because we are we are dealing with bigger issues in our society issues by all of us being sort of enslaved by corporations and so on so how do we how do we deal with these things by taking from the past those great the, that great momentum and bringing it forward Thanks for that. Um, I feel like you're very perceptive, um, and the undulations, um, definitely we have that kind of wave. As far as keeping the momentum, um, I think events like this, um, International Women's Day could maybe happen dozens of times a year, um, but when we get people excited again, we can bring back that history and bring together what we have now and take it forward. Um, and you're absolutely right about the struggles, um, history going backwards again. And I think people need to um, keep, this sounds so basic, and, and I apologize if it's boring, but keep trying and, and not give up. And, and maybe that's something you heard when you were in kindergarten, but um, you probably heard it because it's, uh, it's relevant and it's, it's right. So we have time for maybe two or three more questions, so go ahead. Yep. Terry Shillington, thank you very much for your presentation, Auburn. I have a short question and a blatantly political one. <clears throat> the federal government has been in power now for in minority or majority status for now several years. <clears throat> what kind of a scorecard would you give the federal government on, on women's issues? and <laughs> where, where have women advanced and where are they lost ground in, under this uh, party and this government? <laughs> Um, I would give a very low score. <laughs> I think uh, perhaps the uh, the funding cut to the status of women in Canada really is reflective of the entire uh, 
ideology that, that our current government is applying to women's issues, and um, I think it's very unfortunate because um, if we don't value our women, um, going back to your comments at the beginning of the question period, uh, you know, I'm not saying we can't value or that without it's, it goes both ways. If we don't have men, we're screwed, and if we don't have women, we're screwed, and we need. To, sorry, <laughs> maybe that's not the most articulate way to say it, but. <laughs> Um, and that's what equality is all about, right? just valuing uh, both sides. And I, I do have to say that, um, to answer your political question, it, it does feel as though our current government does not equally value women. Uh, Ruth Alzinga and Auburn, thank you for your presentation. I'm going to bring this issue just a little closer to home because uh, it's easy to look at the government, but really maybe it starts at home. And I'm amazed, and my sisters down from Calgary were both commenting on the fact that the marriages that we see our children in, they really put the pair in parenting. And I think as young women, I'm, uh, I'm very proud of the fact that in my day and age, when I got married over 40 years ago, I just assumed I'd be doing the ironing, I'd be doing the cooking, you know. I probably didn't contribute as young women do now. You're, you're talking about 64% of women with little children are working in the workforce. So I think when that happens... There is a realization that there has to be more sharing of the responsibilities at home. So I think as women, we really have to support our, our daughters and our daughter-in-laws and their spouses in working together. And I think women are becoming more demanding. So I do think that a lot of it rests on our shoulders as well. So what's my question? I'm not sure. I just had to compliment the young women who are paving the way. And as grandparents and parents, we have to be supportive because it's different. Uh, I, I could just ask you the question. I, I would think it's always an issue with women who are very well educated. That how do you, how do you uh, approach that balancing of, of work and home? Well, I found a really great guy. Um, and I think... Uh, I, I really appreciate everything you just said and um, encouraging daughters, or I am a daughter of someone about your age, um, and each other, my friends and I really encourage each other, uh, but not just the women, but the young men. Um, my husband is right here, and he's, um, I don't know why I'm getting teary here, but he's been <laughs> really fantastic. I was a bit of a bear through some of my graduate degree. It was quite stressful, and, um, you know, he was... He was really wonderful, and so definitely encouraging the girls and, and recognizing how some of our young men have really uh, grown from what they saw their fathers doing. So we just have the time for the two more questions that are currently in waiting, so we'll, we'll work with these two. Okay, so really quickly, uh, Ian McKenna. Balbura, I, I think, made it. This is a societal issue, and what I'd like to know from you is what should men be doing? you know, to make this uh, much easier for, uh, for women and for men as well. Uh, so I wonder if you have any thoughts on that. Um, I think one thing that, uh, like the, the guy culture, um, it's, it's not, and, and not all men, I never want to paint everyone with the same brush, but, you know, the guy culture, the hockey game, um, the objectifying women, and it's really hard to call your buddies out on that. And um, I think that's one way. And even just when you're in those group settings, because I, I think 
oftentimes it's it's when groups of men are together that uh, some really derogatory stuff comes out, and not all groups of men, again. Um, but just just working up the courage to disagree or to say something really positive about your, your sister or your wife or uh, that kind of thing. And also, like I, I mentioned earlier, with the Don't Be That Guy anti-rape campaign, absolutely, like never never joke about that kind of stuff and probably the people in this room don't but um the more guys who who think that it's it's an acceptable issue and who on december 6th when it's it's the national day to end violence against women to wear a white ribbon and to be proud and to to say to the the other people around you what it's all about and not not hide um that it is a real issue and that these things are real problems Anne Hatford, I just want to speak in um, as to how the government has I, does things and they do it right. I was the first female to get former male positions with both the provincial government and the federal. Uh, when you go for the interview, the questions of what they're looking for in the person, there's a minimum of, of six to ten marks in each one. It's it's done in black and white, and it's, uh, I was lucky enough in that I had uh, I was only 35 at the time, and uh, I had been taking college and university courses, and my with my other education. But I think what turned the everything around was when I told them I still had my motorcycle license and I could drive a three-ton truck, <laughs> because the projects were like St. Mary's Dam and the Carsland Dam, and I was required to go to the job sites. But uh, it's still there. I was lucky enough to have a boss that had a daughter. And I think if you're qualified, I don't care which government it is, if you're qualified for the position, you're hired. That's a great, great comment. I just wanted to add to that. It just tweaked something for me um, that often the the masculine traits we have are, are valued. And I grew up on a farm with a real cowboy of a dad. And I think some of those... Uh, traits have really helped me having some some masculine tendencies and uh, just to go back to the previous question then I think another thing you can do as men is um, value the feminine things that guys do too because it goes both ways right like um, if, if women have a you know they have their feminine side and, and they bring out the masculine sometimes too there's nothing wrong with guys bringing out the feminine side um, particularly with the parenting and um, you know, spending some time with their kids or in whatever aspect of their life. Wonderful. And I think this is us wrapping it up. I don't, I believe that we are out of time. So thank you very much. And can we please give another big uh, round of applause for Auburn? Thank you.